Talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Catherine Gray. Thank you, and welcome to Live, Love, Thrive, Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360karma.com. We have two amazing women on today. Uh, First up, we're going to have Robin Smalley, who is co-founder and director of an incredible organization called m2m.org, and we'll be telling you about that. And later in the show, we're going to have Claire Fordham, who is a British writer and producer. So stay tuned for that, but right now, please meet Robin Smalley. Thanks so much for having me here today. Oh, you bet. You bet. Um, Every week I have like the best job in the world because I get to meet uh, amazing women that are doing just extraordinary work in the world. And I am excited to talk about your journey to where you what you're doing today that's making such a big difference in the world and and so we're going to talk about m2m.org but first I want to kind of talk about your path to what brought you to creating this nonprofit that is helping to eradicate pediatric AIDS in the world and so um, with that important mission I'm, uh, I'm sure everybody wants to know how did you end up uh, doing such a, a phenomenal thing so you started your life in uh, New York. I did. Yes, right? I you, did. You were born. Doesn't everybody in LA start their life in New York? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> um, but you uh, grew up in the Bronx, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, uh, and, and it sounds like. Uh, you grew up in a tenement with your mom and your grandparents, so I take it was some humble beginnings. It was some humble beginnings, yeah. yeah. If if you had, you know, told me and certainly my family that, you know, X number of years later, I'm not going to say how many, but X number of years later, I would have, you know, uprooted my family and moved them to South Africa to start an AIDS organization. I think uh, we all would have thought you were on crack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny. And, and young people listening too, you know, uh, or even if, if we're in midlife, we, we never know really what is around the corner that's right. and what's going to transpire to take us to what it is that's our calling. And so yours is an amazing journey. Um, so no, it, well, it's, it's so true. I, I talk to college groups often, and you know, one of the things I always say is, don't be so focused on where you think you're going because right. chances are that's not where you're going. Man plans, God laughs. Yeah, and you'll miss all the exciting opportunities along the way. I mean, I always intended to be in television, and I was, but you know, life takes you in different directions. Right, right. So let's first talk about that because I know you come from a very creative family. Uh, your mom was a singer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, nightclub singer. Right. And then uh, she ended up marrying uh, uh, a Broadway performer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. So your life was all around theater and culture and... Uh, and traveling with her around the country, right? I yes, I yeah. was. I was. We were. We were a, a bit of the the wandering Jews when we were little. <laughs> when I was little, and she she had many of those early girl groups in the late fifties, early sixties. The oh, Allison fun. sisters, the Charmineers, and and so I did. I had my my third birthday on a cruise ship to Germany, and my fourth birthday in Brazil, and my fifth birthday in France. And so, yeah, we were we were always on the road. And then when she she married my stepfather, um, you. You know, some of my 
best memories are sitting behind stage, you know, on Broadway or, or spending summers traveling in summer stock. Oh, fun. Yeah. It sounded like an exciting childhood. It was different. I yeah. went to 12 schools in 12 years. Wow. It was different. So it was challenging. It was it was challenging. Yeah. yeah. You know, children of divorced parents always yes. have a certain amount of challenges. Sure, sure. And so uh, it was uh, welcoming to have a stepfather then at that point? I had a wonderful yeah. stepfather and awesome. later on a wonderful stepmother. So I'm mm-hmm. very lucky. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, is that where you got the travel bug since you traveled at an early age? Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, I always I look at my daughter now and say, God, where's her fearless gene? And then and I think my mother always used to say to me, wait till you have children. You'll see what you're putting me through. I, mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> I went to Europe for the first time by myself when I was 14. Wow. So, yeah, I just um, yeah. yeah, I've always, always I've been always, a rebel. I've always. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about a rebel, but certainly always had a, yeah. a real hunger to experience different cultures. Right, right. Uh, I wonder if that – so do you think it comes from your mom? I mean, because your mom was traveling to all these places? Yeah, but she – but at heart, she was a real – you know, if she had a choice, she would have been a homebody. How interesting Um, that she ended up traveling all over the world singing. Because she loved to sing. Yeah. So – Yeah, and some people – that's true. If if it's something that you love so much, you'll like – You'll do it whatever opportunity That's you right. have, right? Yeah. That's right. And it was her one chance yeah. to get out of the Bronx. I mean, when she was little, she started the way she would earn money is in beauty pageants. And she was, you oh. know, the, the, she, we have a big bowl still in my kitchen, a big silver bowl because she was the first Jewish homecoming queen of UPenn. Oh, my and gosh. And then she went That's on the cool. beauty circuit and then the singing. And that's, you know, that was what got her out of, you know, a very, you know, impoverished childhood. Wow, that's that's incredible. So she was uh, determined to get out of there, and then that was a great vehicle. That's right. Wow, that's a, a really cool story. So you um, obviously had a very strong uh, uh, model, mm-hmm. role model. I did. Yeah, I just did. Obviously a very strong woman. Uh, so then uh, you ended up in L.A. in the uh, entertainment business mm-hmm. and television. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how that unfolded. Well, I, you know— I always thought I would be in broadcast journalism. My feeling was is television was the best medium to affect social change, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when I went into television, it wasn't so much for the entertainment value as mm-hmm. that I wanted to do stories that I thought would impact people. And I got into what was at that time called reality television, which is very different than it is now. And, and you know, and it was great. And I was actually one of the first women in the Directors Guild, and um, which was kind of scary at the beginning. But, um, you know, I went for years. It it was fun. And I did get to travel a lot. And certainly the money was good. And then, but then I had children of my own. And TV started, in my opinion, losing some of the social benefits. And I was working 24-7 and, you know, wasn't around my young babies. My Mm -hmm. husband worked at home and I'd get the phone call about the first steps and the first words. And and I thought, this just, you know, this isn't why I had children. And the work, while, while, um, you know— the money was good. You can't go on doing work that the primary benefit is good health insurance. Right. You know? Right. Right. No, you have to do something <laughs> you to feed have your to soul. You do something to feed your soul. Yeah. Exactly. And what had happened was while I had discovered a, an amazing organization called Streetlights um, out of People Magazine, oh. my friend Dorothy, who started Streetlights, was uh, listed as one of the angels, People Magazine angels. And I was on a, uh, a hiatus, as I frequently was from different shows. And I called her up and said, look, I've got three weeks and can I come and volunteer? 
And she said, sure. And that started a whole shift for me. And I, I would, every time I was on sabbatical or hiatus from my show, I would go and volunteer and I ended up joining their board and taught myself how to fundraise and grant write and, and, and realized and tell us that what, was the passion. And tell us what Streetlights does. Streetlights yeah, is, is wonderful. Really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it it uh, trains inner city young people um, who may have been incarcerated, who may be welfare mothers, uh, to work in the entertainment industry as production assistants. And that. it was born out of her realization after the big LA riots, how, how unintegrated. We're a company town here in Los Angeles, and yeah. yet we were completely white. And and she wanted to do something about that, and she started Streetlights. And it's a, it's a fantastic organization. And, you know, I credit Dorothy with my interest and exposure to nonprofit work. Right. So when I decided to get out of television, um, I knew that was what I wanted to do. But I was a TV director and writer, and I right. thought, what, you know, what can I have to offer? So, right. you know, I went knocking on doors to all the nonprofits in town and said, look, I can write, I can produce, can I? And so I developed um, some some clients, one of whom was called Advocates for Youth based in D.C., and they had a project called The Media Project. And I ended up doing, um, doing some work for them and then being offered the executive director spot, which I did for seven years before Mothers to Mothers happened. Wow. And that was a nonprofit. And that was a nonprofit. Yeah. And it was a, it was a great midpoint because it was working with a population I knew with TV writers and producers, but it was in the area of adolescent reproductive health and sexuality. So I would help them create storylines um, that had a social benefit for for around reproductive health and family planning. Right. Oh, wow. And so. Um so back up. So the shows that you were working on, I know you said like you like to do like segments on like better parenting or helping uh, laws of, for child abuse and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you worked on which shows did you do these segments with? Oh, gosh, there were so many. I, I, I started out doing a show called The Home Show and then went to Our Magazine and mm -hmm. then did <laughs> separately for years directed Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, which oh. doesn't have any social benefit, right. but was great fun. Yeah, it sounds like fun. <laughs> it was yeah. really fun and yeah. really fun travel. Um, I used to love that show. Yeah, did yeah, yeah, so did I. It was it was it was a lot of fun. Um and uh, until I had children. Yeah. And then I didn't want to travel. And Rob Robin Leach was was very good about that. And and but anyway, that's another story. Um shows, you know, I did I did pilots on health. I did all kinds of stuff. Right. Lisa, I produced Lisa, which was a wonderful show, Lisa Gibbons show yes, for a long it time. Was. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, you said you were one of the first uh, in the director's guild, one of the first women. That's really interesting and cool. Um, there still seem like what is the percentage of women in the director's guild today? Because oh, uh, all the women directors I talk to say we have a long way to go with having more female directors in Hollywood. Yeah, I, I yeah. actually I have no idea because I'm I'm been out of the business yeah. now so long. But when I do go to meetings, certainly it's it's them. I, there's actually a lot of women. They're just not in the higher roles. Right. So there's a lot of women PAs, ADs right. in the television side. But the in directors. terms of dramatic and feature directors, that's where you know that the pyramid gets a lot room smaller. to grow yeah room to grow we yeah. got to work on that but that <laughs> that's great that you were trailblazing there so um i know what really took you into your next phase of nonprofit and life always feels like a puzzle doesn't it it's so interesting that you had gotten this uh work that you were doing in nonprofit, not knowing where it was going to lead mm -hmm, to or mm -hmm. what was ahead of you. Like you said, we, you know, we, we think we're planning our life Man and we never know what laughs. comes ahead. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like you to discuss some of the, uh, 
you know, some of the adversities that you had to overcome that actually shifted you into the work that you're doing now. Yes. We, we talked about some of those losses and whatnot. Yeah, I, I had a, a few, you know, really difficult years where um, my stepfather had a terrible illness and was in the hospital for a year and he passed away. And then shortly after that, I had breast cancer. And then shortly after that, my mother very suddenly, tragically died very young. Mm-hmm. And then yes. I got a call that my, my best friend, in the world, Karen Besser had gone in for some minor arthroscopic shoulder surgery. She lived in Chicago and didn't come out of anesthesia. And her one of her brothers was with her and called me immediately and I got on a plane and flew to Chicago and as did her older brother, Mitch, who was living in South Africa at the time and um, who I was very close to. And Mitch and I sat bedside while Karen was in a coma for two weeks. And I've always been a very positive person and, you know, yeah. just, you know, you know, pull up your bootstraps and get on with it and stop feeling sorry for yourself. But then Karen passed away. Oh, my. And Karen had been the one to sort of get me through everything. She'd, she'd flown out and gotten me through my mother's death. And she'd flown out when I got had cancer and went with me to the doctor and sat with me during radiation. And, you know, mm-hmm. she... And when she was gone, I was just like, I'm done. Almost like a sister. She was like a sister because I I don't have a sister. And, and, you know, I just pulled up the covers and I was like, I'm I'm done. And Mitch, who is an obstetrician, uh, an American obstetrician, but had been living in Cape Town um, and had told me about this idea he had while we were sitting with Karen, that at the time he was calling mothers to mothers to be. And Mitch, anyway, Mitch called and said, why don't you come to Cape Town and see what I'm doing? And I said, well, that's ridiculous. It's Africa. Who goes to Africa? Right. right? And my husband said, he was, who was very concerned about my emotional state, was like, go, go. So I did. I got on a plane and I went to visit Mitch. And that morning, I'll never forget, I... Uh, my flight landed about 6 a.m. and he was still a practicing obstetrician. I went on rounds with him and he specialized in HIV positive pregnant women. And I fell head over heels in love with the women that I met who had nothing, who lived in shacks with no water, no electricity, were HIV positive, were pregnant, were often alone and had so much courage and so much spirit and so much life and, you know, just could conquer the world. And it was like, for me, a bucket of cold water. And, you know, it was just get over yourself, Robin. I don't know if I can say the S word on the air, but that happens. Yeah. And um, yeah. and I was really inspired by the women that I met that day. And I got back to Mitch's house that, that evening and called my husband, Jeff, and said, I really want to do this. We have to move to Cape Town. And within six weeks, we had picked up the kids and the dogs in the house and had moved wow. to Cape Town. Wow. There's not too many guys that would have done that. No, he's quite <laughs> exceptional. He's yes, he's very special. Oh, my gosh. That is an amazing story. And, um, you know, it just goes to show uh, the universe sends you messages and you listen or you don't. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is you listen because, you know, your first reaction was, what are you, crazy? I'm not moving there. You know, uh, and but you but you did it and and you followed your instinct. And, you know, it was it was. So easy, Catherine. Yeah, that just fell thing. into place. And, and I got to tell you, you know, and and I talk about this a lot. That you know, it's often 
the thing that gets you past tragedy and hardship is doing for other people. Absolutely, that's it. I totally felt that, you know, this Mothers to Mothers, and that's where the M to M comes from, but it's really Mm -hmm. called Mothers to Mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, The the model and the concept of women helping other women, of Mm -hmm. peer mentorship, is so powerful Mm -hmm. in so many areas. And I just, you know, when I got back, my youngest daughter, Sophie, who was only 12 at the time, was devastated by the idea of moving to Africa. My eldest was excited. My youngest was devastated. She was going to fifth grade. She was going to be a senior in her elementary school. She had all of her friends. And so this wasn't easy. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't easy for her. Right. And and um, we were having a lot of tears. And finally, at one point, she and I were laying in bed and she's crying and I'm crying. And and I said, Sophie, if it's this traumatic for you, we won't go. It's just I can't. You know, she was acting like I was pulling out her fingernails. And yeah. she was, you know, it was hard for her. And she said, um, and she finally, she turned to me in bed and she said, well, tell me, mommy, why is it so important to you that we go there? Mm-hmm. And I said, because there are 1,500 babies being born every single day with AIDS, with HIV in sub-Saharan Africa, and it's completely unnecessary. Wow. And I think that, you know, we can do something about that and right. save all of these babies. And she looked at me through her tears and she said, well, I guess that's more important than my fifth grade. Oh my gosh! Wow! And and that's a, you know she was an evolved child. <laughs> well, it, you know, yeah. you know when you look at something like this, at the injustice of it, you yeah. know, I mean, and that's what hit. I know you're going to make me, me cry. <laughs> <laughs> but but it yeah. it was it was just so wrong. You know, where right. you live shouldn't determine if you live. And it just goes to show, Robin, how you know a person can make such a difference. I mean, you and your family picked up, moved there, created this. Now it's been around 15 years. 15 years. We're celebrating our 15th birthday. And you've reached over a million people that you've helped. A million and a half. Million and, and a half. And we will reach in nine we will countries. Reach eight, in nine countries, yeah. and we'll reach eight hundred and sixty-five thousand more this year. Yeah. And what's so I exciting, have goosebumps, and I know it takes a village. It does. But take, it takes it someone takes a woman. to spearhead that village. <laughs> That's right. It takes a lot of women. Yes. You know, we have yes. eighteen hundred mentor mothers now employed by Mothers to Mothers. Wow. And just to you know explain to your to you and your audience what, yeah, what this are is. It, what are the eighteen hundred mentor mothers? It's, what is that? It's such a simple. Mo- what what used to happen before Mothers to Mothers. Mm-hmm. is because the systems in Africa are so broken and right. there are so few doctors and, yeah. you know, nurses run everything and they're overworked and they're overstressed and mm-hmm. they're underpaid. Same and in so, America. No, no, no. Well, yeah. Not More the so same there. in America. Yeah. And that's that's the difference. People say same in America. A country oh. like Mozambique has three doctors and 21 nurses for every 100,000 people. Oh, my gosh. That's, I that's mean, overworked. That, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's why people say, well, we have problems here. It's like, it's not the same. We yeah. have so many safety nets. There's no safety it's there and right. so and used, like you've said lives matter everywhere lives matter and everywhere that, that is the message and like we have to care about people all over that's the right. world that's yes. right if we want to worry about terrorism terrorism starts in places where people have no hope and no future right and when you are watching your children die for no reason and you know they've errat- we've eradicated pediatric aids here in the US in the developing world mm-hmm. yet we still now when we started it was 1500 a day we're down to 300 a day wow. now it's 300 too many but it's huge yeah, progress yeah. and we can we can end pediatric we can have an hiv free generation 
within our generation, right, you know? Right. This isn't something like way down the line this is right. going to happen. This right. is something that we can do. This is the legacy we can leave our children. Right. So you what know? do these mentors so, do? Yeah. So before mothers to mothers, women would come in pregnant for their first prenatal visit. Mm-hmm. When they'd get an HIV positive diagnosis, there would be nobody there to tell them in their language that there was medication that oh. could prevent the transmission of HIV from themselves to their children. Right. And how to have an HIV negative baby and how to keep that baby negative through breastfeeding and all of that. And so they, even though there was medicine available, they would go home to die. And the stigma was so severe, they'd be afraid to disclose to their partner, to their mothers, to anyone. And governments were throwing millions of dollars into medical intervention that no one was taking advantage of. So what we do is we take newly delivered mothers who are HIV positive, we put them through a rigorous training, we employ them, which is key because people did not employ women. They were considered the volunteer workforce of Africa. But we, by empowering them and professionalizing them and employing them, we create what we call mentor mothers. So that when that young woman comes in and gets this potentially devastating diagnosis, immediately a mentor mother is there to hold her hand, to put her arms around her, to say, you're not alone. My baby is neg- is was born negative and I'm HIV positive too, and we're going to get through this together. Wow, that is so awesome. And it's such a powerful model. And they're brought into the mothers to mother's room where they're surrounded by surrounded by a sisterhood of women just like her and their their mentor mother is her advocate during pregnancy during labor and beyond and now we are we are in addition to our 15th year we're celebrating our second year where we have eradicated aids among uh, pediatric aids among all the children that are served through mothers to mothers we have a 2.1 transmission rate among the women served by mothers to mothers and wow. that's considered by the UN and the and the uh, global health organization as eradication that's incredible yeah and you know i always say uh, people are led into their calling by adversity and look at all those adverse things that you went through but really you're in honor and legacy of your best friend Karen, look at the great work you're doing. I mean, she must just be smiling down. I think she made it all happen. She oh, and oh, totally. my mom, who are yeah. really close. And I have to say, but we this is something we can all do. And I know I don't if we've run out of time, I want to be able to tell everybody that as part of our 15th birthday, mm-hmm. we are trying to plan the biggest birthday in the world. And we're calling it Every Child Deserves a Birthday. Oh, and I, I I'm hoping it. that everybody gets on board by donating their birthday or their children's birthday this year. So to honor you your health and your life by saving another one. And it's super easy. And if they go on our website, m2m.org, they can find out how to donate your birthday. You know, I did mine this year. Yes. And I, I donated my 60th birthday and we right. raised $18,000. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. That is amazing. Just by saying, I don't need any more stuff. Yeah, I don't need any more You know, my baby gifts. doesn't need yeah. any more stuff. You know, uh, give ten, $15 in honor of the 15th anniversary. For, in my case, it was 60 in honor yeah. of my 60th. I love and, and it takes so little, you know. I mean, yeah. every, people are always looking for a way to make a difference. Exactly. Here's a great opportunity. And we're not even saying write a check. Yeah. We're saying yeah. donate your birthday and get all your friends yeah. and family to, instead of buying a gift, donate to Mothers to Mothers and know that there's a baby out there that, that your birthday saving. saved that could be the next Mandela or the next doctor right. or the next peacemaker. And, you know, really make your birthday count. I love that. I love that. That's great, Robin. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I hope people go to M2M org and uh just keep doing the amazing work you're doing thank you so much thank Catherine. You. thanks to everybody and we'll be right back with claire fordham stay tuned 
The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. And we are back with Claire Fordham. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. It's good to have a Brit on the show. Cheerio. Bring a bit of class to the show. (laughs) Oh, no, did it need it? it. That came out wrong. Oh, my God, it started off terribly. (laughs) So we were just at the Live, Love, Thrive conference, you and I. You wrote a beautiful article, thank you, uh, in the HuffPost. I hope everybody got to see it. Uh, And uh, I know you write often for the Huffington Post. I do. Yeah. I do. It's a a fantastic platform and uh, to be able to write about things and people who inspire me, you being one. Oh, my goodness. Thank Robin, you. who was just on. I would absolutely want to, to write about her and, and tell Isn't her. Isn't that amazing story? Extraordinary. And I yeah. feel a bit of a fraud being here, actually. Uh, <laughs> but it was, I, there are so many incredible women doing extraordinary work in the world. Yes. That, uh, that's why we have so many amazing guests. But uh, it's so important that we have women like you that write about them. Right, thank and you. And your, your blogs and your books are, you know, amazing. You. So, yeah, I mean, everybody has a gift. And, Claire, your gift is writing. That's for thank sure. You. And I'm, I'm trying I wish to I had that gift. <laughs> well, no, thank goodness you don't. There's enough writers out there already. But I do feel inspired and moved to try and help worthy causes, incredible people mm-hmm. by writing about them and telling their story. Right, like like I do about the radio show yes. and the conference. Yes. And so the conference... I'm not sure how I managed to get on, but I'm very <laughs> happy to hear. Because you're doing that great work. Thank you. Um, so uh, the conference, let's just chat about yes. that a little bit. I know you wrote up that you really enjoyed our speakers. I and um, uh, We rolled out our web series uh, about amazing women as mm-hmm. well. And then we had... Um, some awards that we gave out, and mm-hmm. I know one of them is uh, someone that you know, uh, Lisa Vanderpump. I think a lot of people were surprised uh, to know what an incredibly uh, giving woman mm. she is. I mean, they see her on her reality TV shows yeah. and whatnot, and I think we all saw a whole different side of her at the Live, Love, Thrive conference because she talked about her uh, Vanderpump Dog Foundation. Mm. Yeah. And uh, how she helps to keep dogs from being euthanized and whatnot. And I and just think that that's wonderful eaten. work. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, she does do a lot of good work. I knew her uh, 15 years ago when she was just rich. And, <laughs> and uh, I remember being on her yacht in the south of France and thinking how the other half live. Yeah. Nice indeed. But and then she came here and, of course, has made a massive name for herself for being famous. But right. she does do very worthy work and she supports the LGBT LGBT community (laughs) and um, and animal activist of course as well as being famous yes yes so that was a highlight of this show and then uh, the the conference and then um, I really loved our ending with we we showcased the 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 most uh, 
amazing women of the past century, yes. from Rosa Parks to uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yes. and and well, of course we she ended keeps on going. We need her to keep going. Keep I know. Going, keep Ruth. going, Ruth. <laughs> Four more years, please, love. <laughs> and then uh, we ended on Hillary Clinton with a beautiful yeah. quote from her about perseverance, yes. and everybody cheered and they were dancing, yeah. and Pamela Stanley was singing, "We Are Family." Yes. I got and all we my were. sisters with me, and, and it, after such was, a we awful, needed it. We an needed awful it. A week when many of us were thinking about never getting up again, let alone moving to because to of Canada. the election. Yes, yeah. it was. We were, felt. Kicked I know in you the were teeth. like, should I go? Shouldn't yes, I go? But yes, because yeah. I just did. But it, yeah. seriously, to be with a community of like-minded people, right? Good, honourable people, and it, it really motivated me. I, I really took a lot away from that conference, and I'm I so will glad. absolutely be going next year. I, Every speaker was inspiring. I do, as I say, feel a bit of a fraud when you see what people, the challenges people go through. It, it is something, it's, you know. Uh, our Live Life Thrive book, uh, webisodes, yeah. our show, everybody, it's always about women who have overcome adversity and are yes. doing triumphant yeah. things in the world, but the thing is, is we've all all overcome adversity. Yeah. So everybody has their stories and nobody knows each other's backstories, which I no, always find true. really interesting. You meet someone at face value yes. and you don't know what they've been through. I mean, I know you were born in England and yes. you went through a divorce. I can imagine, you know, yeah. people out there, they've been through a yeah. divorce. You know, that's a tough thing, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that's a challenge. I mean, when I asked you about your challenges, I, I know you told me it was that you didn't have a dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew there are so bigger ones than that. But yes, well, <laughs> that's a pretty big one. It's a very, it is. Trust me, it is. When, especially when you cook a lot like I do. And I just had my family visiting from, from Fiji. My son lives in Fiji. He that, went there for five really days and cool. never came back. He's happily married with two beautiful children. Yeah. Fiji's my so beautiful, huh? Yeah. And my daughter's yeah. in London, so I'm smack bang in the middle of them. So we were all right. reunited. Yeah. Um, Last it's month, funny, actually. London, Fiji, and you think you're in the middle of them? Okay. Yeah, yeah I am. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm very, yeah. very, very lucky. But uh, yes, and, and I like when I was listening to, to Robin and feeling so unworthy to, to be here. But, you, you know, that choice of the word challenge yeah. and how we, the language that we choose. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, I've not had any... It's varying degrees of it. Yes, yes. Absolutely. You know, when I... When I was here, um, I, my husband is British. We're old flames reconnected. And when he moved here, um, you know, we didn't have our own base uh, as such. And we, I was, technically, I was homeless for a year, not living in a cardboard box yeah. homeless. In yeah. fact, it was extraordinary luxury. But we stayed in 25 different places. Oh, my gosh. Before, and some of them two or that three That kind of times. sounds exciting, actually. Well, it, what, it, what, it wasn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was exciting, yeah. but I know how lucky I was. We right. were staying in fabulous places when yeah. people were going on vacation or they wanted pets looking Yeah, after. you always say uh, writing is a tough, uh, you know, tough way to make a living. But oh, yeah. you, you kind of lived an extraordinary oh, life, Claire. I have. I have. I know. <laughs> I know how lucky I am. You know, people say, what do you do? I say, I work in non-profit. I'm a writer. Yeah. You know, that's the reality, <laughs> Unless you're J.K. Rowling, and yeah. as we know, she struggled. There's not much, there's no money to be made from yeah. it, unless you're her or a few others. Um, but um, I am blessed. I do live a, a charmed life in, on, on so many levels, and I try yeah. and give just living here in America, way. we have a oh, charmed life. Yeah. Absolutely, hearing Robin. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah. When I when I post this um, on social media later, I normally I would say you can fast forward to my bits. I'm on this time, but I I mean she what she's doing. There are so many extraordinary regular people doing extraordinary Amazing work and making things. the world a better place. Right, but uh, she was and a good majority are women, which makes it yes. easy for me to fill the show yes. with these incredible people. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, 
I, I, I feel so lucky to know and work with so many extraordinary women, not least yourself doing great stuff. Thank you. So uh, you've written a couple of books and a lot uh-huh. of people, you know, uh, they did research and it showed that people actually think more highly of um, authors than they do of actually doctors. And really? Uh, yes. Okay. Like they, yes. And I think the reason, I mean, I'm just guessing, is because everybody has a book in them and they right. wish they could write it. They want to write it. So if somebody has written it, yeah. they're yes. like... Oh, wow. She's yeah. written books. And so you've written two books. I've written two books. And, and ghostwriting. Ghostwriting as well. Help other right. people tell their story. And I write articles. Yeah. And I do producing as well. Yeah. If You have to have your finger in a lot of pies, I think. Yeah. And uh, so your background myself. is in? Journalism. Yeah. Journalism. I started off writing for my local evening paper, then national newspapers, and then television news. Right. So BBC was, and yeah, Sky on, News. On, on on yeah. paper, I look extremely successful. <laughs> um, but, and you are. You've got to give you. yourself I a, do. No, a I kudos. do feel. Yeah. I, I feel s- successful because I'm blessed in so many ways, yes. not least because my fam, my children are happy and healthy and thriving. And I always say, uh, you know, abundance comes in many forms. Yes. And uh, if you have a great family, great yes. partner, I know yes, you have a great I sister, do. you have a lot of love yes. and joy in your yes. life. You, you're getting to, you do what you love, I, you write. Exactly. Um, and, and that's about as abundant as anyone needs yeah. to and then be. We, you know? we must all try and give back. So I have a couple Absolutely. of my own you know, charities that I try and help. I wish I was more. In fact, I was thinking I would love to be able to. When you write on Huffington Post, you have to do a description. So I'm a writer, author, yeah. producer. I do and and how did you get to but write I want for HuffPost? I want to uh, I met Ariana Huffington. At oh, an event. wow. She oh, said, oh, oh, you she just, oh I down. met Ariana Huffington. Said, like, it's no big deal. <laughs> and then, then I got in fairly at the beginning. It's much harder to, right. to, to get in there. Yeah, no, it's a big deal to yeah. write for HuffPost. I, yeah, I applaud you, you for yes, that. And it's smoke and mirrors because yeah. you don't get paid for writing yeah. for them. No. But it's very hard to get in. And also... Gives you a lot of credibility. Yes. For my other writing, and also um, that I sell books. At, if I write something and people have been amused, say, or interested, then they'll. I usually sell a few books because there's links to my books at the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And what was Ariana like? Oh, she's extraordinary. I went to yeah. a, an event, and she is. Ex- she's she's a, a vanguard. I mean, apart from oh, building totally. that successful business, I f- I first um, heard of her when she was the she was the president of the Oxford Union at Oxford University, which is a huge achievement for anybody, let alone mm. an immigrant. Woman. Yes, and but that thick accent she's got, she hasn't held her back, and yeah. she is so smart and yeah. so inspiring. Yeah, um, definite trailblazer. A, yes, totally and utterly. Yeah, and I heard like when she launched her HuffPost, you know, that she was even like. Is this going to work? You know, yeah. like anybody does when they yes. launch something new. You yeah. know, but and, and yes, it, it, it it's just it, it's amazing. Oh. It's everybody. And then loves she cashed it. out. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, now she's doing something else called Thrive. Yes, I heard that. She stole that from you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think when uh, things are of their time, uh, people are thinking the mm. same ideas at yeah. the same time. So, yeah, yeah. it's just right. like I uh, when I launched a 360 Karma Women and I said, we are stronger together. And yes. then, you know, of course, Hillary came yeah. out with that. Oh, and I was like, wait a minute. I, <laughs> but really, it just means we're all aligned in our yes. thinking. Well, I, I yeah. think I'd mentioned to you that my, my latest book, which is I wrote for my granddaughter. I know it's hard to believe. I know that I'm a grandmother. And, um, her name is Mia Rose. I've got it Life Lessons for Mia Rose. Yes. And the subhead is an irreverent guide to living and loving well. So I wanted to make it clear that I'm 
irreverent. <laughs> I cover all sorts of... Gee, no one would have ever guessed that. <laughs> but I did want... To, the subhead was going to be how to live, love yeah. and thrive. But I thought I wanted yes, to make it... Yes, you told me that. Yeah, I wanted to make it clear that yeah. it was irreverent because I don't want people to buy it and be shocked. Right, right. So maybe I should have called it the Irreverent yes. Live, Love, Thrive Conference. No, because there's no, there's no cursing there. There's no cursing. Uh, okay, I'll scrap that. <laughs> but uh, your your latest book, The the Lessons of Mia Rose. Life Lessons for Life Mia Lessons Rose. Life Lessons of yeah. Mia Rose. Um, for your granddaughter, like, what are some of the lessons that you recommend to her? Um, I'd love to hear this. Okay. <laughs> well, what I, I've, I've done it. Yes, there's lessons, but there's also... Um, it's semi-autobiographical because I wanted her to know me. Yes. I want, because a lot of us don't know our parents and grandparents. It's so true. We really don't. Yeah, I remember doing a video interview, which I always recommend everybody mm. do with their parents before they lose yes. them. Yeah. And uh, I remember saying to my dad, hey, you never told me this or that. And That's he was right. like, well, you never asked. Yeah. You know. So it's really interesting when you interview your parents, the things they'll tell you that they never told you otherwise, because right. it's different than day-to-day -day conversation and interview. So that's why I've called it irreverent because I and some people might think I've overshared as indeed yeah. might she but um, sh I, I talk about sex I talk about it's a very short chapter you want to please know because <laughs> my children and grandchildren are still alive and my, I can imagine my son going oh no <laughs> but um, I, I do talk about sex and yeah. talk about how you know protection you know use a condom that's yeah. I, and I've got lessons at the end use a condom these yes. things are important yeah. I talk about not politics but health yeah um, and I and, and what else do I talk about death and dying yeah I talk about that I talk about religion because um, my background is journalism I want her to know how I feel about it right and, and but I also and how important it is to know about all religions so I've done uh, I've researched it and I had it um, checked by a professor of religious studies um, I, I've gone through all the major religions talking about them and that, funnily enough not funnily enough they basically they're all the same except they've got an, yeah. a different profit at the right top. exactly um, but it's all about loving kindness and forgiveness isn't it um, so there's that and you know obviously whatever she wishes to to, to pursue, if at all, a religion, then I would love her unconditionally. But it's important to know what everyone else what is, all the, is thinking. What all the options are what and the what they're thinking are, and respect yeah. them all. And I've got recipes at the end, fa favorite family recipes. Um, I've got, it's not all about Wow, cooking, there's a stretch from all the religions yes, to everything. the recipes. De yes, I love health, it. Um, you know, yeah. looking good, feeling good. Um, I should have read it before I came in, shouldn't I? But it's, <laughs> it, it covers all, every important subject that... Right. I, you know, relationships. I talk about my relationship with her grandfather and ever so, you know, how the, that didn't work out. And love. I talk about love and marriage, even yeah. though nobody gets married these days. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked about everything, but telling her from my experience. Right. I talk about money. I talk about, um, you know, living consciously and being well, of service. So uh, the other book you wrote. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Plus Do you one. want her to read that too? <laughs> it's um, called Plus One, not, A Year not, in the Life of a Hollywood would nobody well first of all the second <laughs> book i wrote for her for her 16th birthday yes thinking that she'd read it then she's five now yeah um but she could read that yeah because that's also that is that's a memoir which is about the time when i i moved here when my children grew up right and left home um and i and, came and here it, for it is that the Julia. way yeah. is it okay so you came here to live with your uh, sister a who is a, uh, a, a singer well-known singer, -known singer yeah. julia fordham everywhere as her plus one right so the unnamed guest it's a cinderella story f 
fish out of water story. And um, and it was actually, and it's, it's, it's exaggerated because you can't, it, you've got to be funny. So there's only if it's tragic and I'm her personal slave basically for the year. <laughs> but travelled a lot, had the most wonderful time, we're very close. And in fact, we lived together now. Um, so, so was this after your divorce you moved here? Yes. Oh, no, I was divorced yeah. when my kids were four and two. Oh, I well, gotcha. Yeah, my son's... Um, 37 he's the same age as me and my daughter's 35 so and they were four and two yeah and um but so what brought you to LA because Julia was here oh I see and I'd I'd visited before Uh and they'd left home and I came for a year as a reward for bringing up two children because I was a journalist and looked successful on paper I was able to get a visa for five years (laughs) and I just loved it so much right and um and I obviously would go back regularly to see my children. They would come here. And my mum and dad were still alive. It's my, we lost dad last year. Um, but mum is still there. So oh, I go good. back a lot. Yeah. So you wrote this book, yeah. uh, Plus, Plus One. one the, a Year uh, in the Life of a Hollywood Nobody. Right. Beca- Very amusing. <laughs> it sounds amusing. I'm sure so. it is. Uh, because you came to L.A., you're with your sister who's yeah. a, a, a celebrity singer. Yeah. Uh, and and you're traveling around the, with her, and yeah. you're her plus one. Yeah. And so this is all the things that happened yes, along the way. Yes, I can only yes. imagine. And look, yeah. the, and what happened was, so I moved here, looking forward to this year. And she went away to Fiji, actually, where my son is now. Yeah. And she found a starving dog, a puppy that looked more like a rat with no hair, <laughs> and infested with all sorts, and brought it back. Because there's no um, what's it called rabies here. Or there, yeah. They, she was allowed to bring it in, and the vet said it won't get a. It won't live for very long, and oh b. It'll won't get very big. Fifty, sixty odd pounds at the end. Lived till he was twelve, and and he became my nemesis and ruined my life. But of course, <laughs> I fell in love with him, the, right. and um, he became part of the family. And but I, he, he, it, it's all about my relationship with the dog and with her. I think that people will relate to this uh, title and probably picked it up because. People do move to Hollywood, and they yeah. feel like if they're not some huge celebrity, right. they do feel like a Hollywood nobody. Yeah. Oh, and believe me, I was, yeah. and I still am. <laughs> I mean, it's a terrible term, but that is no, the way uh, I think a lot of people yeah. feel, especially especially if they've come here to be in the entertainment industry oh and be gosh, an actor, yeah. actress, writer, yes. Uh, yes. director, whatever. Yeah. And um, of course, here am I, you know, talk, I'm hearing Robin say she was just sixty. You know, we live in a town where sixty is not the new fifty, but the new dead. Yeah. So talk about obstacles you have to overcome. Right. We've got that going against us. Right, right. And it's a tough, uh, it's especially tough uh, city for women, especially if yeah. you're a writer or director. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the minority, maybe 20%, I think, is something yeah. like that. And, and the great got thing a long about way to not go, being like every industry. hugely rich and successful. And by the way, I do consider myself successful on many levels, is that I can't afford Botox. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's one of the advantages. Right. Well, when you've written books and you have your HuffPost and, yeah. and all these other and things yes. that you've done that are amazing, uh, you are successful. And Oh, yeah, I'm still in the game. You know, yeah. I still produce. I, I, I'm still Oh, I yeah, pitching. you're going strong. This is what I love, too, is that I'm always Never featuring women. Just keep going. We're in our 60s, 70s, yeah. 80s, 90s, yeah. going strong. Yes. And I tell you, so many of these women inspire me that, uh, you know, I know in my 70s, 80s, 90s, I, I still want to be yes. making a and difference. We and, and we will. And we, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I, no I sitting the, down. I was pitching a, a sitcom idea with John Wells Productions. 
on Monday. You know, I'm still in the game. Oh, and they yeah. like it. And they said, yes, let's, I'm going to discuss this further with John. You know, so I'm still in the game. I'm doing things like that. I produce, I, I'll take gigs, producer gigs in between my yeah, writing. But that's I love where that. I'm happiest. Yeah. And with my, you know, being with my family, I just had three weeks with my, my for a month with my family. Because I, so Julia's got a house with two rental properties underneath and my husband and I rent one of the rental properties. So when my, all my family was here, it was amazing because they were, my Fiji family was upstairs, but they come down in, in Julia's part, but they come down and we'd all eat together and I was doing all the cooking, no dishwasher. <laughs> and it was just magical. And I felt sort of kind of in, not indebted to Julia, even though she loved having them there. But you know, we were all in her space for all this time. Now she's a couple of weeks after that, she has gone to England where she's on tour. And I am helping look after her daughter, doing the school run, the packed lunches, and walking her next dog. She got another dog oh my. in my life. And frankly, <laughs> the scales have come back up, and now she's in my debt. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so she's on tour in London. Yes. She's uh, very around, popular over England, there. Yeah. yeah, and popular here. Yes. Um, and, and still going strong with her yes. career. Yes. Yeah. So the creativity runs in the family, yes. obviously. Yes. What about your mom and dad? Were they creative? Mum more. Dad was a. I think yes. Actually, in all fairness, he was a uh, creative. He was a, a photographer, but oh. an underwater photographer, which is really an un, uh, an industrial photographer for the Ministry of Defence. And mum actually in fact he could sing too but mum was a, is still a wonderful singer and does choirs no they're not so much now and the local amateur dramatic society and she was always in productions like that and she can do a tap dancing and um she and, and, and my brother is a singer a wonderful singer oh, okay. in fact he and julia were in a band together when they were 16 and 18 Oh, cool. And, yes. Uh, so, but you, I remember you saying that you were influenced uh, by your dad because he would watch oh, yes, the BBC yes, News every yes, night. That, and You are good. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he, dad always watched the news on the BBC at six o'clock. Yeah. Without fail. And he always took a newspaper. And that definitely impacted got me and impacted me in a good yeah. way because I had, I too inherited his thirst for knowledge and the news. Yeah. And so it's not really surprising that I then, because I could write, I started writing for my local paper and then I start, worked in local television news. I did news reading and reporting. And then I, when I moved up to London, I was overnight news editor producing at ITN. And so uh, that reporting. time you spent with dad watching yeah. BBC and all, you yeah. got really interested in yes. realizing that you had a Current draw affairs. for... Yes, I think it's important to be informed. Broadcast journalism. We must be informed. Speaking of that, you and I were just talking about, it's. Uh, it was showing that 42% yeah. of people get their news from Facebook now. Which is fake news. Yeah, yeah. kind of scary. It is very scary. 42%. I know. That's I know. a lot. And that's another thing. Yeah. After the election that will not be referred to again I was distraught is, is too strong a word but I was deeply shocked and stunned and I th thought like a lot of people did I'm going I'm going because I have got options I could have gone to different places um, but I've decided I, I'm going to stay and I'm going to be part of the change I'm going to be part of the we change no and choice. I'm going to get more involved you know I did some yeah. phone banking have I got time to tell you a quick funny story this is so me I wanted to 
be supportive and help Hillary. So I did phone banking and I turned up at our local library yeah. where I'd been told we, they, we were doing phone banking. And I walk into this big room and there's a lot of people, sorry, a lot of people around and I nod to my fellow Democrats and I sit down and I get my book out and my notebook and my phone and my computer and I'm sat there and I'm looking around and everyone else takes out a ukulele. I'd walked into the wrong room and they were having a, bin- <laughs> a ukulele class. So I had to sheepishly get up and walk out And that's why... At the end of the day, why Hillary lost? Because, <laughs> because you were at the ukulele gathering? Yeah, I went to gathering. the ukulele gathering. <laughs> but can you play it back. now? No. No, no I left. I, the, woman, the, the woman said, would you like to stay and enjoy the class? No, thank you. <laughs> well, they are becoming very popular. Ukuleles, I know. They go out of tune. They go out of tune easily. Well, uh, listen, I think just keep writing all that amazing stuff that Thank you're you. doing. The HuffPost is a great uh, venue for people like you that mm. uh, you're clever, you're witty, you're oh, charming you. and smart. Thank and uh, we need more journalists writing uh, smart things thank about you very much. what's going on. I'm going to keep going because you said that. <laughs> Go, Claire. <I> will. <laughs> but no, it is important. And uh, uh, I think that it, it sounds like. Um, all the things that you've been through in your life uh, have led you to be the poignant journalist that you are. Yes. You know, yeah, I think I, it, I do, yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you. So keep writing your humorous and uh, meaningful books and, and uh, blogs. And people can find you at clairefordham.com. Yes. And I know you do ghostwriting in case somebody might want to yes. write a book. Yes. They have that book in them, but they're not a writer. Yeah. You're a great you person do, to team up with. Most people need help. Thank you. Yeah. They think they don't. And they need help writing, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're on fire, Catherine. (laughs) Thank you for being on the show. And we'll keep following you online, Claire Fordham. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. And we will be back next week uh, with other amazing women. So tune in and hugs and happiness. Have a great Thanksgiving. Take care. Bye, everyone. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360karma women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. 